0: We used to have a separate travel budget when we had our regular traditional home. We had a separate, we would put money aside every month to save up for travel experiences, but now our whole life is travel and we have amazing experiences all the time and yet we spend less than we did in our former lifestyle.
1: Hello, modern nomads, wannabe modern nomads, budget travelers, free travelers, and people who just like traveling. Thank you for being here. I love being here with you. Today, I have such an amazing conversation to share with you. Julie and Mark Bennett of RV Love spoke with me about life on the road. And I don't just mean like they travel a lot. I mean their whole existence is travel. They've been living in an RV for over five years And there's no end in sight. This is ultimate vagabonding, ultimate nomadism, just working, living, and traveling nonstop so much that it becomes the norm and living in a house somewhere feels strange. And you heard it here first. It is definitely a growing movement. Y'all, Julie and Mark are kind of my spirit animals. They just get it. Uh... Not just knowing how to travel and budget and do those two things well, but knowing how to think about life in a way that ensures they're living according to their values and desires. They've taken this attitude not just with travel, but with their professional lives and even with their romantic lives. Uh, so it gets personal. It's one of the reasons they met each other. And they're just aligned. Uh, it's really inspiring. Even if you're not interested in living life on the road, whether it's a RV van, a fifth wheel, or like rollerblading with a tent, listen to this podcast episode. You will be blown away at all the ways their mindset can be applied to any sort of endeavor in which you're interested. It doesn't have to be travel. And they're just funny and adorable and super smart about the way they live their day-to-day life. So this is stuff you can apply to anything. We will, however, get into the nuts and bolts of what it's like to live in a moving house, Uh, the social aspects, the tourism tips, how to work remotely, and just how to stay well-balanced while doing it all. Because that can be a struggle even when you're just sitting at home in the same place in an office every day. I say that, yes, from personal experience. So... What do we talk about? We talk about Nomad Fest. It's this crazy festival out in the middle of nowhere, Texas, where hundreds of RVers get together and have a blast. Bet you didn't know that was going on. Uh, We talk about how to make things happen, starting from nothing, Uh, just following instinct and intuition and finding yourself maybe in a movie with a book deal, living a life you didn't even realize you'd been dreaming of. Yes, that's what happened to them. That's a little sneak peek. And we really talk about the juice of why their life is going amazingly. And the juice isn't what you might think. So listen up. I don't know why I'm talking about juice, but maybe I want some juice. Um, Okay, and awesome news. Julian Marks' book launches this week. It is called Living the RV Life. And I just received my advanced copy today, and it is so good. I just sat there reading it, and... I'm telling you this as someone who doesn't even want to go live on the road, which, I don't know, maybe I do a little bit, especially right now. But yeah, even if you're not that person, it's such an absorbing book. The whole culture is nothing like I could have imagined. You can probably tell I'm totally absorbed by the passion and mindset and total sense of freedom that goes into Julian Marks' lifestyle. I think you will be too. And uh, speaking of freedom, we will talk about how to do this sort of thing on a budget ways to do it next to nothing, and how to make money on the road so you're basically offsetting all your costs. And another little sneak peek, this is definitely something you can do and spend less than probably what you're spending on your current lifestyle. Shabam. The conversation I had with them was actually so good that I've broken it up into two episodes because although I could have spoken to them for much longer, we all have things to do. I get it. So be sure to listen to both. Be sure to review both. That is a good deed, and it would be awesome. Uh, and after all that, go buy their book. Wherever books are sold after November 20th, 2018, um, find it on Amazon, on their website, rvlove.com, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, Costco, and uh, it's everywhere. And Simon & Schuster is their publisher. So yeah, that's a big deal. Um, leave a review, y'all. Reviews are everything these days. It's not like the old days where you can just be a good book and be successful without reviews. Things have changed and artists really need support from the public. We need each other. It takes a village. Ah, oh, get off that soapbox now. Let's get into this business. Listen up. Julie and Mark, thanks for being here.
0: Thanks for having us, Megan. So excited to be here.
1: Yeah. I can't believe it was only a little over a month ago that I met y'all at TravelCon. It seems a lot longer than that for
0: me. (laughs) It absolutely feels longer than that for (laughs) us, too.
1: (laughs) So much has been happening. We've
0: had a huge month since then.
2: Tell me a little bit about that. You're in Texas now, right? Yeah, we are currently in Amarillo, Texas. We've been in Texas for... Well, since even before we got to TravelCon in September, so probably about six weeks now, we actually just came from a little town of Wellington that no one would have even heard of, uh, where we were just uh, at the premiere, the world premiere of the RV Nomads movie, which is a movie about the full-time RV life and the first ever Nomad fest a sold-out event. We had like 500 RVers from all around the country come in for a four-day festival and it was awesome. And now we're just on our way to Colorado and hanging out in Amarillo for a few days and we'll continue up to Colorado this weekend. So what does that look
1: like a four day festival with a bunch of RVers?
0: Well, it was actually a really wonderful event. The energy was just really special and the RV community is a very special and unique, very supportive community. And so I think it's really great when you get all these nomadic people together because a lot of people have gone off on those travels to get a break free from normal lifestyles. And, but they all have this really deep bond with each other that from all having that common bond.
2: Yeah, it's very hard for people to go off and live this kind of life when so many other people in our lives are, don't necessarily understand it and don't always support it. So when you can get together with your community and find your tribe, it really just helps you realise, well, I'm not alone and learning learning from one another and, as Mark said, supporting one another. But there were something like 200 RVs all parked out in the fields and we some 30 rigs in a campground all within this tiny little town it's normally got a 2000 population but we brought in close to 500 rvs so it swelled the population of the town by nearly 25% over a 4-day period and it was it was awesome and so what do you do are there just events scheduled throughout the day yeah well the main the main draw for the event was the world premiere of the rv nomads movie which is about the full-time rv movement and there is something like i think about 14, 15 cast members, something like that in the movie. We are in the movie as well. Hey. And so, yeah, so it premiered at this beautiful historic theatre called the Ritz Theatre, which is in downtown Wellington. It's been fully restored, um, millions of dollars of renovating to get it back to its former glory, and it's truly a beautiful theatre. And that's that's the reason the town was chosen to host this event. And then building around the premiere, we, we had, like, concerts with full time RVs that are also musicians. We had some awesome concerts. We had a day of seminars and presentations and all different RV related topics. Content creators conference to help people that are wanting to create content as well. So, you know, it's just so many activities and they're they're actually extending the next one from Nomad Fist twenty nineteen. is gonna be for a week and finish with a big wow. big Halloween party. So you <laughs> That's probably going to be uh, almost double in size. So we're looking forward to that one.
1: I'm just so fascinated by this microcosm, by this whole world that nobody knew was happening out in the middle of nowhere, Texas, but there's so much ground to cover with y'all. Let's just start at the beginning of when did your travel bug begin?
2: Well, for me being Australian, I mean, we're so far from (laughs) anywhere else in the world. It's a pretty remote, big island down in the South Pacific, as most people hopefully know. And so even though a lot of people, I grew up in a small town, Um, well, not a tiny town, not a rural town, but it was, you know, it's still a fairly small town. It wasn't like I grew up in a big city like Sydney or Melbourne. And, you know, I really, I did move to Sydney when I was 21. And that was kind of a big step because people that I grew up with, people didn't really do that so much. Once I moved to the big city, Sydney, it really opened up my world a lot more. And so many people that I met there did travel a lot because a lot of Australians, we we do travel. I think we meet a lot of people on, on our own travels that say they've met Australians and New Zealanders. And because we're so far, it feels like we need to be always going somewhere to to actually go and explore more of the world because, well, the world doesn't come to us so much. <laughs> and so it's very common. We get a lot of vacation time in Australia, so four weeks a year is not uncommon. And we tend to have a more of a lifestyle um, culture in Australia. So going and taking two or three or four weeks to go and travel and explore is very common, much more common than here in the US. It tends not to be part of the culture here as much. Experience. not yet,
0: yeah, and for me, you know, I grew up, uh, did a few road trips with the family, and did some camping um, with the family because my parents were into rock collecting, um, was rock counting. So mm-hmm. I would go on some of the dry camping, camping out in the middle of nowhere with the uh, trailers to go dig holes looking for rocks. <laughs> um, some travel with work, but what really elevated our travels is kind of what Julie was just talking about in Australia, so many people travel extensively. that. When I went to Australia with Julie and started meeting a lot of her friends and family, and I had this realization that so many people that I was meeting in Australia had seen more of the United States than I had. Because mm-hmm. when I traveled with work, it was just, you know, this conference meeting, this and then back home where I didn't, they had seen so much more of the U S than I had. And, you know, I'm from here. So wanted to make some changes to that.
1: Yeah. You got bitten, bitten by the bitten. bug.
0: You did. Got hard. I got bit hard. Yeah. It was very <laughs> soon after that. They're like, all right, we got to make this happen. What, yeah. Because you get so limited vacation time, you know, that so often people use their vacation time to go visit family or to, they spend a lot of their time trying to get to the place that they are wanting to get to. But if you travel with an RV, you can move at a different pace and actually your life is travel, so you can make so much more use of the limited time off you get from work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so let's talk about the genesis of how you guys moved into life on the road.
2: Well, it was, I think, probably the October. It, actually, it was exactly five years ago. It was October of two thousand thirteen, and we really like to design and create our life making. We don't like life to just happen to us we like to play more of an active role in what what happens in our future and so we sat down one Friday night in our town home and we started talking about well what do we want in the year ahead because we're really big on creating vision boards and thinking and dreaming about what we want for our future and you know we'd done that when we even before we met actually for our relationship what we were looking for and and then when we got together we'd Know, planned what we wanted with our home and we were building a home together and then once not physically building a home but creating a home nesting and then we sat down and thought well what what do we really want and we realized we wanted more experiences we wanted mm-hmm. to spend more time together we wanted to travel more and we, we started creating a vision board using pinterest actually we just started Thinking, what do we want to do? Where do we want to go? What do we want to see? What experiences do we want to have? And as we started building that with pictures using Pinterest on a board, the, the picture was really very, very clear.
0: Yeah. It was very clear that we wanted far more experiences than we wanted things. And so we started trying to think of how we can make that a reality. And then we had the memory of meeting some people that we're full-time RVers a couple of years prior, mm-hmm. um, just at sitting at a table next to us in a restaurant and we thought, Hey, let's explore that idea more. And I, I had already transitioned my work to working from home for a company. And so, because I was working from home and Julie was working from home, um, it was made it more of a reality that we didn't have to go a daily commute to a regular job. And so we had more of that freedom and that's what, started the conversations about, well, how can we make our life on the road?
1: And then did you guys do some test runs or did you just take the leap? <laughs>
0: no, we, I, we went <laughs> all in. We did some research. We did some research, research, but we didn't do any t- trial runs. We, we jumped in boots and all, we sold our town home um, everything in. and everything in it. Um, in fact, we sold it furnished, um, but we, yep. we sold everything in it. We bought our new motor home, bought a, little um it
2: was was about two years old
0: yeah two years old motorhome and we bought little cellular hotspots, little wi-fi's to give us internet loaded up the motorhome and off we went off (laughs) we went you know we just jumped into boots and all and uh it was really a great experience because you know we figured there's a lot of people are nervous about making a decision like that but it's it's not a one-way street you can change your decision again and go back right so We just had the confidence that it was going to work out and we didn't set a timeline. A lot of people outside of us were saying, Oh, well, you're probably doing this for six months or a year. And they kept trying to put it into a box and we Uh just didn't do that. We said, no, we're not putting a timeline on it, but it's going to be a lot more than six months we expect.
2: Yeah. We'll just do it for, as long as we want and when we'll know when it feels like it's time to stop and we still get people ask us well how long do you think you'll do this for because i think they need to put it into something that they can understand that they can relate to and it's kind of challenging for people when we say well we don't know how long we'll do it for and the thought that we're living full-time on the road it, it definitely pushes a few buttons for people but it also inspires a lot of people
0: but i think a lot of people look at it like we're on vacation but we're we're still living life you know? right
1: yeah it's it's interesting that that innate desire people seem to have to put something in a box where they're trying to give y'all a timeline and i encounter that a lot with people who hate their jobs and they want to quit And they say like, well, if I quit and it doesn't work out, if the business idea I have doesn't work out or whatever they want to do, if I travel and and I come back and can't get a job, they want to know in advance what's going to happen. And it's like, you got a job the first time you'll be able to get a job the second time if whatever you're trying to do, whenever it comes to an end, Um, but people, there's some very deep deep lack of self-trust and lack of trust in our own intuition, it seems.
2: I completely agree. That a lot is of fear a great to way yeah. to put it. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of fear in society in general. I mean, we're we're brought up, and, and particularly in America, but in Australia as well, but it's more noticeable to me, being an Australian that has been living in the United States for 10 years now, the culture here is even more heightened around go to job, uh, sorry, go to school, go to college, get a degree, um, go get a job and then and stay there. <laughs> and so, yes, go get a, go get a good job that, you know, pays a pension or get a 401k. And of course they're harder and harder to find these days. But
0: oh, yeah. the problem
2: is people do that prescribed path to so-called success, you know, get a get married, have kids, get the house, get the two cars and, and, and get, to where they've always been told is the promised land, this is when you're successful, this is when you'll be happy, and then get to that place and so often find, okay, now what? I'm here and I, I'm not happy. And because, you know, all of this accumulation of stuff and debt and where it's, this, this society we live in in the US is, makes it very easy to borrow money. And it starts mm. from college. You know, it starts with student debt. And, uh, you know, that that makes it very difficult to start your life out with such a a huge burden hanging over you financially because then you're locked into the system. And, you know, we get the cars and we get the houses and financing makes it all easy. We can finance all of our furniture and things on interest-free. We can finance our computers, our phones, and then all of a sudden you have all of this debt that keeps you trapped because then you need to keep the job to keep paying for all of that stuff that isn't really what makes you happy. Yeah, the whole this could be a whole a whole oh other God. podcast, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah,
1: and I to, I want to dig into that later, just the budget side of things and the finances. But let's first talk about how does a person wrap their head around what life on the road even means? Because I think there are a lot of misconceptions and uh, assumptions about what a typical roadster is like. I don't know if you can. I can call you roadsters. Is that a term?
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> new, it's new. Yeah, you just coined <laughs> one.
1: I guess. Woohoo! Write that <laughs> down. Um, what does it mean, and what are misconceptions? And when this might be a whole separate question, but when you guys started life on the road, how how do you adjust to that?
0: Well, to me, the lifestyle is really it's. If you're trying to pick one word, I would use the word freedom. Um, you have a lot of freedom in your daily decision-making that you, you can design your life more on a daily basis when you're traveling full-time than when you live in a traditional lifestyle. You have so much more choice in how you design every day. And there's a lot more adventure as well. I mean, things that are normal everyday tasks and errands in a traditional lifestyle. Like, for example, going to the grocery store are a new adventure because when you live in the same neighborhood for the longest Hmm. time, then you probably, you know that the item you want is on aisle four, two thirds of the way down on the top shelf. Whereas Mm -hmm. when you are traveling all the time, you're at a new grocery store almost every time. And so it's actually a fun little adventure trying to find what you would normally like. And also try some new foods that you wouldn't normally experience Mm -hmm. from your traditional, because there's different food choices in different parts of the country.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. One of the other things is just to, for anyone that hasn't ever experienced RVing before and maybe you've experienced RVing, travel or camping, it's different to living full time in an RV, which we've been doing now for four and a half years. And it's actually way less disruptive than, in, in our opinion, many other forms of travel because you have your home with you. We're, yeah. not, we're not living in and out of suitcases and eating out all the time. We have a bed with our own linens and pillows. All of our clothes are in the closet and our toiletries are in the bathroom. All of our dishes and cookware are in the kitchen and our plates. And we've got our favorite things with us. Obviously not everything because RVs don't usually have the space or the weight for everything. So it's a great exercise in simplifying your life and getting very clear on what's important to you to take with you. And I think what's surprising is how little we really need. And, and when I say little, I don't mean that you you need to live a completely minimalist lifestyle. We live in a 40-foot motorhome. It's actually longer than our townhome was that we hmm. had in Colorado and hmm. probably a little bit, not not quite as wide, but it's definitely as long as our townhome was. But our townhome, there is three levels, including the basement. Uh, hmm. This is one level. But, you know, I think because we always have our home with us, it doesn't feel like it's as disruptive as, for example, air travel, where you're dealing with the TSA and security and on and off planes and delays. Now, of course... I and mean, you get- only
0: have one little suitcase. Right. You know,
2: <laughs> now, of course, we experience travel delays in RVs, whether it's with traffic or you have a you know, mechanical breakdown or something needs to happen, but you've got your home with you. In fact, our very first trip when we bought our RV back in um, May 2014, we were driving from Ohio back to Colorado and there was um, there was a major accident on I seventy four. I think it was in Illinois, and we were at a standstill from five pm to nine pm for four hours. Mm. And we were surrounded by semi's. We couldn't exit the interstate, but we we'd already been to the s- supermarket. We had food in the fridge. We had our Wi Fi hotspot. So you know, we just were able to business as usual. Yeah, <laughs> like, hang on, <laughs> No, go yeah. to the bathroom, watch whatever the sunset, chat to yeah. the truckers. So, it, in your home. Wow. Right. so it, it's, it's not as disruptive, I think, as many other forms of travel. And I'm not suggesting other forms of travel are not amazing for us. All forms of travel are great, but it's, it's a much more um, stable environment, I guess, because you're not in and out of different hotel rooms and different beds and different environments. You have a very familiar, consistent environment through which to experience your travels in the places that you visit.
1: Now for so many people, the concept of home obviously isn't just their home. It's kind of the biosphere that they step out into. They see the same thing when they step out their front door, their friends are around, they probably have family nearby. Uh, they know the restaurants they want to go to and the grocery stores. Like you said, you're both from different countries. Um, Different states. Obviously, you have family probably all over now and friends all over. How has the definition of home changed for y'all?
0: Well, I mean, I think we've just come to realize that home is more a state of mind than it is a physical location for us. Um, in that, you know, we find comfort and stability is more of an inner, mm. it's an inner environment. You know, not the external things that create a home. And, you know, it's obviously it helps. Uh, it helps at least for me to have Julie with me on the travels, having the two of us really, you know, we have our home unit in each other, but I think mm-hmm. even people as a solo traveler can still have that mentality of that home is a state of mind, not a place. Um, I, I think that's really important to, to have. And like Julie was saying on one of your previous questions is that home for us is our motorhome. In fact, that was a very telling thing for me to, you know, when you're talking about visiting family in a familiar place our first six months on the road we decided to fly back quote-unquote home to see family and friends for the holidays in colorado. in colorado where i'd lived my entire life before we hit the road and we
2: left the motorhome in palm springs california
0: yeah, left the motorhome in palm springs flew into colorado had the snow and the winter and the holiday thing and so had all the family there in a place that i'd lived my whole life And it was a really nice time there. But what was really amazing is we flew back to Palm Springs. And as I opened the door in the motorhome, I said to myself, oh, my gosh, it's so good to be home. Hmm. Um, I thought that was very telling um, in that transition that what would have been home in the traditional sense for all my life was no longer held that definition for me.
2: Yeah, that was a really powerful moment for both of us because unbeknownst to Mark, I had the same feeling. And When we hmm. talked about it, we realized we both felt that way and it had been six months and that's when we both realized, okay, we're in this for the long haul now. This isn't just a vacation. This isn't just a, a little experiment in life. We are fully invested in this now to the point where we were able to like shift even our own focus on our travels around. Okay, how do we make this a longer term thing in our life, and how do we how do we plan our travels accordingly? How do we you know start building more community on the road? We changed our, our dom- domicile, as a word that's very common in the RV world, where we decided to change from being Coloradans to Texans because it's a state that's one of a number of states that's very favorable for RVs. Changed our address, our driver's license, our you know, get our mail sent there. So all of those things, then we were, we were more committed to, Mm -hmm. to the RV lifestyle than ever. Once we had that realization that the the motor home was home. Do you find that a lot of people
1: struggle with leaving the old idea of home behind?
2: Initially? Yes. I think a lot of people, um, you know, especially if you're say you've had a, a home for years or decades, raised a family there, built community, have a lot of family, that can be difficult for a lot of people to think about leaving that behind. Uh, However, we've also met some people, for example, that may have Uh, kids or family that live in different parts of the country and so living in an RV actually affords them the, the opportunity to to drive to see them wherever they are and and the great thing about having an RV is then you can often park near family or if they're able to accommodate your RV on their property you can stay longer and enjoy each other more because you're not in their home and so it actually really supports more more enjoyable time together we've met people that have kids on you know different corners of the country. Um, different family or get to catch up with family they haven't seen for a long time as has been the case for us Mm -hmm. Uh, we've met more family on the road that we hardly ever used to see because if we're driving through California we can visit Mark's uncles and cousins and and that's been great but I think once it's a process Megan it's not something like okay I'm going to do this and then you go the emotional journey is a big part of the journey and that's a lot of the content we actually like to speak to and talk about, you know, we cover that in our, we've got a a book coming out just here in the next couple of weeks. And it's a big topic that we cover in that is that whole process of downsizing, the emotional adjustment, how to create new community on the road, how to stay in touch with the people you love back home and how to, how to communicate and connect with them to maintain those relationships. And I think with that uh, confidence of knowing that you can do these things and then other people have done it before you, it, it does provide a lot of peace of mind because, you know, you realize that you're not alone and just, they just have to give it some time. So is, is there a a format,
1: I guess it would be online for RVers to do, do some of them kind of travel to not together, but they meet up at the same resting points to camp for a few days.
0: We see that especially in f- traveling families uh, when there's a family, with younger kids, they often join communities that have frequent meetups or they'll travel loosely together where they might travel similar paths and piggyback on their travels. They might not see each other every time, but they'll see each other some. We don't do that as much. We-
2: no, yeah, we do actually. We, we, we may not be as often as some of the full-time traveling families, but we've joined some RV communities and RV RB- Uh, groups like uh, groups called escapers and escapees and we're Mm. on a a social media platform called Our village which is where you can connect with the other RVs and see if they're staying in your campground and we we do that quite a bit we haven't done it Mm. as much this year because we've been focused working on big projects like you know like the RV nomads movie and our living the RV life book so we've been very much focused on work mode but but outside of that a lot of RVs do meet up at RV rallies. Uh, we just came from Nomad Fest, as we just mm-hmm. talked about. Uh, there are a lot of events that are going on around the country. And um, and so, you know, you can be as social or not as you choose um, in the RV life. Even sometimes we'll check into a campground and we can look to see how many other RVs are in the same campground through the R Village uh, social media platform. But then sometimes we may just want to focus and we don't have as much time for social interaction, so we don't necessarily check in to say that we're there so others can't see we're there. So, you know, <laughs> we can choose that, but um, there's definitely a lot more community out there for all kinds of RVs mm-hmm. than, than we imagined when we first hit the road. It's like the sweetest form of a Mad Max future
1: <laughs> where everyone just gets along and travels in their RVs.
0: <laughs> Ooh, yeah, and there's, um, a big community. there's over a million people estimated that live full-time out RVing.
1: So... I would think that y'all must be great at budgeting. You're still working on the road, but how does that factor in? If you want to go and live on the road, how does budget work into that? Um, And you can talk about here working remotely. Um, You can talk about anything because it's not a very specific question.
0: I think for us, one of the biggest things that surprises us is how few people we meet actually have any kind of budget or any concept of what goes in and out of their bank account every month. Ah, just people in general. Yeah. So I think the first step is to at least have an idea of how that goes. But one of the biggest learnings and exciting things we've found in the RV lifestyle is transition from mostly fixed expenses to mostly variable expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people live a traditional life, they might have the regular rent payment or mortgage payments and their HOAs and utility bills and a lot of things or one or two car payments and a lot of things that are going to be the same every month where in an RV lifestyle, your biggest expenses, um, where you stay and how fast or far you travel are fuel, your, are fuel your and campgrounds. those are your largest variable expenses. And so um, it could also
2: be an RV payment if you finance your RV. Yeah. We, we meet a lot of people that don't even have an RV payment and just bought their RV outright. We've met some people that are paying, you know, over a thousand dollars a month for their RV payment. So that's wow. completely, wow, expensive. yeah.
0: But I think, you know, to that fixed versus variable is that we found that in our old lifestyle, we had two thirds of our budget was fixed and one third variable. Now it's two thirds variable, one third fixed. And what, that really benefits you with budgeting is if you have a lighter financial income month or some additional unexpected expenses, having so much of your income being variable, you have so much more ability to adjust to Hmm. rising loans.
1: So right, is it the type of thing where if you're not making so much income in one month, are there certain places you can go camp and just not spend lots of money at all? Is
2: that what you refer to as dry camping? There are a couple of different options for being able to camp for free or almost for free. One is dry camping or boondocking where you can go out and stay on free public land such as uh, national forest land or land owned by what's called the Bureau of Land Management and commonly called BLM land. Mm -hmm. And you can stay for I think up to two weeks at a time for free. Of course, you need to check and make sure it's accessible for your particular RV um, they're not always accessible for all kinds and types and sizes of RVs and you want to be sure that you're taking a safe road but that is an amazing way to be able to get out and park in nature and because your RV has the amenities on board that allows you to be camping off the grid I mean you can many, many RVs come with.
0: Yeah. Most gener- RVs are going to carry ability to carry fresh water and wastewater. And they also will either have a generator or solar power and batteries that'll propane. and propane to operate appliances or even your refrigerator. So most RVs have the ability to function nearly the same as they do when they're plugged in, when they're out in the when they're out in the middle of nature with limitations, of course, you're only carrying as much water as you can carry. And then you don't, you have to be more limited with your batter, with your power consumption, but
2: you definitely need to conserve water and power. You can't mm -hmm. just go out like you're plugged into a campground with a free for all.
0: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely one way to save a lot of money.
2: Yeah. And then the other way, which is surprising to a lot of people, but something that we discovered before we even hit the road is a, a camping membership. So there there are some uh, campground networks out there. And the biggest one is uh, one that we use called Thousand Trails, where it they have a network of something like 80 campgrounds around the country. And you buy into this. It's a little bit like um, if you think of it like a timeshare kind of a concept where you you buy into this membership and then you pay an annual fee and then you can stay for free, but it's much better than a timeshare because you can actually stay in it up to three, you can stay 365 days a year in the network, in the system and stay in campgrounds. And we've estimated, gosh, it saves us thousands, thousands of dollars a yeah. year, I would say. You know, we don't spend 365 days a year in in the camping network. We know people who do, Mm -hmm. and it saves them a fortune. It could bring their camping fees down to literally a couple of dollars a night. For us, I would say... Ours is less than $10 a night. We mm-hmm. spend on average maybe 90 nights a year, sometimes up to 180. So three to six months of the year we will spend in those campgrounds. And it's been amazing for us. It's been, I think, a big factor in us making making this lifestyle so affordable for us. And, and it, that's we've written a lot of blog posts about that and we're about to launch a couple of videos about that as well, just explaining how it all works to people because I think a couple of things that... Throw people is that one. It just sounds so good to be true. A lot of people don't even believe that it's possible, and the other is it. It it can believe it or not can be get a little complex in how their rules are and what what you can and can't do. And so we write a lot of articles to help um, answer those questions and provide clarity for people and help guide them to which kind of membership is for them. But you know, with a combination of the free camping and our camping memberships, we're able to. RV much more affordably than I think a lot of people would realize. And we know people that spend probably up to a couple of thousand dollars a month on
0: campgrounds. Yeah. And then we, know, people who spend far, far less. Yeah. We probably
2: spend our, we do a snapshot of our um, annual RV expenses um, every year. In fact, we're working on our our next one at the moment, but I think we spend less than usually between three and four, usually less than 4,000 a year. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but definitely less than 5000 a year, I know that for sure, on campground expenses. And that, I mean, that wow. averages out to just a few hundred dollars a month. Yeah. And that includes everything, right? That's that's being able to park your RV, being able to plug into power, electricity, uh, they have swimming pools and hot tubs and laundries. You you pay to use the laundry facilities, but it's it can be a really, really affordable way to live.
0: Yeah. And I also wanted to mention, you know, speaking of the variability of expenses, so campgrounds where you stay, whether it be boondocking or in a membership-based campground um, is one of your primaries. And then the secondary variable expense is fuel. And a lot of that has to do with how fast and how far you travel. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to mention that because a lot of people that we meet have the misconception that People who travel full-time in RVs spend a fortune in fuel, and that's not necessarily the case Um, because when people live in a traditional life, whenever they go somewhere, they go there and they go back, right? But when you're in an RV full-time, you only go there, not Mm -hmm. back, and you keep going one direction. And even though the RVs don't necessarily get amazing fuel economy, you don't drive them like you do an everyday commuting car, you know? Mm -hmm. So we spend far less miles on those. In fact we've come to the realization that we spend less in fuel driving our full-time lifestyle than my brothers and their families do just driving to and from work. Really? Yeah. That's a big shock even for you too, Megan. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very common shock to a lot of people.
2: Well, we have the motorhome. Uh And we have a vehicle that we tow behind us, which is what we do all of our running around in. Most, most households will have a house, and then they'll have two cars. Some households have more than two cars, but the average has two. We only have one. Uh, so we have the motorhome and we have, have the, the vehicle. But also because we, we don't have a commute, I think a lot of people are shocked, uh, you know, would be shocked to realize just how much of their mileage is just on a commute often to a job that they hate. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we don't have that. And as Mark said, also, we're going in one direction all of the time. We're not going there and back, you know, Mm -hmm. to, we're not driving to the grand Canyon and then back home again for a vacation. We will put the grand Canyon on our route on our way to where we're going.
0: Yeah, But a fun little statistic for you is that I think it was 2015. We started the year in San Diego, California, Mm -hmm. Southern California. We drove across the lower United States into Texas, drove up into Colorado, and then up into the Great Lakes region, up all the way to Maine, and finished the year in Miami, Florida. And we, guessed, we asked people to guess how many miles we drove, and we get people guessing 50,000 miles. And I think it's because they were extrapolating how many miles they drove driving to and from work, and then not, oh, you traveled thirty-three states and all across the country. You had to have driven so much more, but we actually only did eighty-four hundred miles that year in the, in the RV.
2: And if you and with our tow vehicle was I think just under twelve, so approximately twenty thousand miles combined with both vehicles in one year, traveling literally from the southwest to the northeast to the southeast. Like we did literally three of three corners of the country. Mm-hmm. 33 states, total well, of like 20,000 miles with both vehicles.
1: And it really is probably less than what the average person drives.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. And you don't even have to drive that much. That was a big year for us. Yeah. You know, a lot of people drive even less with their RVs in a given year, just going north and south, not all across the country as well.
2: And this gets back to the, the variable expenses is that, you know, you can slow your travel down or increase or decrease your travel pace based on just what feels comfortable for you or how much you want to spend. We spent seven weeks in Oregon this summer. We didn't spend hardly anything on gas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't go anywhere. For but, some then, but, then,
2: but then we'll jump in and we'll drive a 1,000 miles from you know Colorado to Austin, and then we'll spend a lot on gas that week. So it, we, we tend not to look at things in a monthly expense or a weekly or an as-it-happens expense so much as annualize it and work out the average.
1: Right. And so have you encountered any people who go kind of the, as budget as possible route? Like, are they doing certain things with their fuel? Are they foraging? Are they just taking it to extremes? I
0: don't know about foraging. We haven't met any folks that do a lot of foraging, but we have met people who live very frugally on the road. In fact, we've met a number of people who live on less than $20,000 a year um, Mm -hmm. with all expenses included, all food, insurances, fuel, travel, Everything. everything. Um, so we've met a number of people who have budgeted less than fifteen hundred dollars a month um, to live, all expenses in everything.
2: And we meet people who spend ten thousand a month. <laughs> you know, who who live large. They're in a different uh, financial position, and it, you know they could be at a different stage of life. And you know, I think that's one of the the myths out there is that RVing is really expensive. And honestly, it is. It, you can make RVing affordable, regardless. I think for just about everybody, you can find a way to do it. Now, obviously, your type of RV, your standards of living, how you do it will vary, you know, whether you eat, you prepare all of your meals in the RV or you're eating out more, whether you travel slower to spend less on fuel or you're out there doing lots of miles, that's obviously going to cost more on fuel. The type and cost of RV that you buy, these are all completely personal choice. And so you actually have a lot of control over what it costs you um, then, then in a regular home, because your mortgage payment is the same every month, your commute and your car payment are pretty much the same every month. And that's what we'd get back to that, you know, variable expenses. You can mm-hmm. slow it way down to, to save money. If you want, you can change RVs to yeah. save
0: money. And we have met a lot of people who spend less money on their full-time travel lifestyle than they did in their traditional lifestyle. They left behind. Right.
1: Yeah, when they probably didn't even realize what they were spending, nor did they have any sort of out-of-the-ordinary experiences happening all the time. Right,
0: was, we used to have a separate travel budget when we had our regular traditional home. We had a separate, we would put money aside every month to save up for travel experiences, but now our whole life is travel, and we have amazing experiences all the time, and yet we spend less than we did in our former lifestyle. Mark and
1: Julie Bennett. That's M-A-R-C and the last name B-E-N-N-E-T-T. They are awesome. I love them. Check them out at rvlove.com. On Facebook, they're at rvlovetv. Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, it's Travel. All one word. Uh, and go get their book, y'all. Get them wherever you get books, um, on Amazon or wherever and leave a review. And please stay tuned for the next episode. We really get into some great stuff. This conversation gets even better if you'd believe it. We talk about quitting the traditional life and taking that leap into working on the road. We also talk more about some brass tacks, kind of the logistical side of things, but it gets super interesting. So once you review this episode, go uh Go download that other one or stream it or do however you do with podcasts. Until then, thanks so much for being here at Free Travel for the Modern Nomad. I will see you next time and leave you with a word from our sponsors. So, you're wading through the water on a pristine beach in Phuket. Or you're deep sea fishing in Cabo San Lucas. You're tubing down the Bavaria River on a hot summer day. Oh, is that a fish right there? A colorful sighting of water mystery. You look down and bam, there go your sunglasses. And before you can even take a breath and dive under, they are gone, baby. Wouldn't you like it if those sunglasses weren't gone? Wouldn't you like it if they floated? Doesn't that make sense? Travel, water, adventure, gear that doesn't disappear? My good friends Jake and Becca started Gear because they're rational people who don't like losing things, but they also like being stylish about it. So go check out ReosGear.com. That's R-H-E-O-S, which comes from the Greek word meaning stream of water, that is. ReosGear.com. Tell them I sent you by using the code FREETRAVEL, that's one word, at checkout. You're great. I like you. Thanks for listening.